Welcome to Season 11 of the Art of Teaching podcast. My name's Matthew Green, and I'm so grateful that you've joined me today. Before we get started with our discussion, I would like to acknowledge the Darawal people, the traditional custodians of this land on which I'm recording, and pay respect to elders past, present and emerging. I acknowledge the stories, traditions and living cultures of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples on this land. Today I have the privilege of sharing a conversation that I had with the brilliant Sally McGrath. Sally runs an organisation called Health That Heals. We're all tired, we're all juggling multiple projects and responsibilities, and we're all trying to be as present as we can for our loved ones. In our busy, hyper-connected, complex lives, Sally's work is a breath of fresh air. And just a reminder that if you're going through a challenging time, you're not alone. I'll place the links to some support services in the show notes. I hope that you get as much out of this wide-ranging discussion as I did with the wonderful Sally McGrath. Sally, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me uh, this evening. Uh, Where are you phoning in from? Um, Thank you, Matt. Uh, I'm coming, I'm phoning in from Sydney. Lovely. Lovely. It's... uh, I feel like the weather's starting to turn. Like I know we just had the shortest day of the year, um, probably about a week ago, but I'm feeling uh, ready for summer. How, how about you? Oh, absolutely. I'm ready for summer all year round. I'm not a winter person. Um, love the fashion, but give me heat any day. Yeah, love it. <laughs> uh, quite possibly the most important uh, question for our conversation uh, this evening, Sally, what is your coffee order for when I can finally buy your coffee? Oh, me, definitely a large, long black. Large, long black. Do you think um, your coffee order says something about you? Oh, I do sometimes wonder this. Um, yeah, I do. I do. I don't. It, you don't need to know what it is, uh, but I do think that, uh, I mean, a large coffee says obviously that you love coffee and a, and a long black is kind of straight to the point. There's no milk. There's no nonsense. Uh, would you say that was a representative of yourself or do you just like long blacks oh combination I guess I'm I don't have a great deal of tolerance for the bs factor (laughs) (laughs) that's that's great (laughs) that's funny is there an item Sally um still on your bucket list something which you would just love to do that you just haven't had a chance to do yet uh absolutely safari South Africa definitely have you ever been to South Africa no not yet okay Lovely. And uh, is there a book uh, that you have read? It could be within your uh, area of expertise or more broadly that has paused, uh, caused you to stop and reconsider a few things in your life. Absolutely. Um, where do I start and finish? <laughs> Several. Um, but I think oh, Gabrielle Bernstein, The Universe Has Your Back, was a fundamental book in my um, recovery journey. So I think I'd have to say that as a an all-time go-to. And do you find that, um, uh, do you read books multiple times or once you've read a book, it goes on the shelf or yeah, do you revisit books, the same book? Yeah, definitely revisit books differently. Um, I'm a big fan of the audio book too because so, I can just take it anywhere and okay. I find you, you hear different things. They resonate differently as well compared yeah. to reading. Um, I do love reading though, so yeah. yeah. 
I, I always sort of wrestle with this one is can can we say that we've read a book if we've listened to it on Audible? <laughs> but I, I like to think that I'm constantly quote unquote reading books, but I think it's just I I I I walk a lot. So I don't know. That's a question to uh to ponder for another day. Um right. if you could have a dinner party with anybody, um your family uh, doesn't count in the head count, but they they may be included. Um if you could have a dinner party with anybody uh, either past uh or present, who would you love to sit down and have a conversation with? Oh my goodness. Um I'm a big Audrey Hepburn fan, so definitely Audrey Hepburn. Um who else? Gandhi? Right. Um, do they all need to be at the same table? Or well, we... I was going to say Audrey Hepburn would be enough to sit down and have dinner with and Gandhi would also be. I think that would be a that would be an amazing dinner party. I'd love to uh, yeah, love to get a, a seat at that table if possible. It sounds wonderful. Yeah. There's a long list, so but there's there's two that um that Lovely. I think would be an amazing conversation. Lovely. Um Sally, um, and we'll get into your amazing work um, in a little while, but just to give people that are listening a bit of a context, um, what was your upbringing like? And uh, can you just give us a really brief history of how you got to where you are today? Sure, sure. Um, I had a very humble, very um, loving um, upbringing. Uh, my parents, um, I'm the daughter of two um, two very ambitious news agents, um, self-starters. And, um, yeah, my parents just worked really, really hard uh, throughout their lives and um, gave my sister and I a very, very good education, um, stepping stone platform into the world. And, um, yeah, we had a lot of fun. Um, we do laugh and say that um, my sister and I grew up, um, you know, behind the behind the counter of the businesses because we were all. It was very much a family business, so um, we'd go to school, do our, um, you know, do our day at school, come back. We had to do our homework before we were allowed to work in the shop, so they were the rules. Um, but yeah, they were very much involved in in the business, and yeah. Um, given responsibilities from a young age, so yeah, very much. Um, and what did what what did that sort of teach you about about work ethic? Um, because I think you. So what age? Sorry, let me rephrase that slightly. Um, what age did you start working for your parents, and what did that yeah teach you about work ethic and and ambition and drive and all of those things? Um, I think I was about six or seven. That's um, that's young. Yeah, and and but we saw it as fun, you know. Yeah. We saw it as fun because initially it was like, oh, you know, we can have all the sweets in the world, and we can read yeah. all the magazines, and you know, have all the toys and all that sort of stuff. Uh, that novelty wears off really fast. <laughs> so um, I think, likewise, so does the you know family business working as well when you're a kid. Um, but then you just get used to it. And yeah. I think it definitely does instill a work ethic um, and certainly has in both of both my sister and I. Um, I think there's pros and cons to that, like anything in life. Um, we both are exceptionally um, driven and, and very um, ambitious, um, work hard. Sometimes we don't know when to stop. Um, and that's 
one of the reasons I'm here today, mm. um, talking about burnout. Um, but I think, too, it, it's also been very empowering from an independence perspective. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of, lot of really great empowering attributes that it's taken into our lives, definitely. Yeah. Uh, there's there's so much in that, Sally, and we will, um, I mean, a number of words that have, have, have come up, even just in our short conversation are things like ambition and drive. And you mentioned you were exceptionally driven, uh, which I think is, um, it can be a real blessing, but also there's a, there's a flip side to that, isn't there? I think some of these, these qualities that we um, admire and these uh, things that we put on pedestals can quite often be uh, challenges as well. It's like the, the analogy of the double-edged sword. And in in a couple of moments, we'll get into your experience with burnout and why you've uh, decided to commit a, a, a significant amount of your life now and your career um, to supporting people through that process. But um, is there something that you have changed your mind about in recent terms, in recent times? Oh, that's a good question. Um... It could be anything it could be fashion it could be <laughs> I don't know approaches to work but is there something that you've changed your mind about or something that you look back and you go I was um I was wrong about that oh there's a lot that I've been wrong about but um oh. we, we can loop back to that one if you like yeah, that's a that's a really good question. Mm. It's oh. it's a tricky one, and, and especially one to to throw at you at, at ten to eight uh, on a. Uh, <laughs> um, so Sally, you mentioned um, you mentioned burnout. Um, what what is burnout, and what has your experience um, of it been? Burnout, Matt, is um, is described. I'll go by the by the book, um, by the World Health Organization book. That is, as um, exceptional work related stress that hasn't been successfully managed. Right, right. Um, and that that shows up in a multiple uh, in multiple ways. Um, initially extreme fatigue, disconnection from work, um, lack of motivation, um, and, and they're three very, very yeah. general, simple signs. Yeah. Um, and these, these do tend to occur over a long extent, an extended period of time. So it's not something that happens, you know, a yeah. couple of weeks, bad sleep or something like that. It's months often um leads into years it, it it seems um it seems like some sometimes it's really hard to sort of put your finger on it because and I remember like I'm always I sort of pride myself and I've, I've been called annoyingly optimistic which I think is a is a compliment um but I also um I pride myself on being someone who works exceptionally hard who will continue to turn up at work and do their job with a smile on their face and motivate others um and I thought to be honest I was completely immune to burnout I thought it was something that I I thought and and this is this shows my ignorance I thought it was a sign of weakness I thought it was something which you could just push through and you could just charge on forward towards your your goals but I experienced it in a really um 
inconvenient time. Uh, we'd, we'd gone through a particularly challenging time in our family. Just kept pushing through. I thought, no, I've got to hold it together. We just had a new a new baby and all of that kind of stuff. And I remember sitting one day in my boss's office and just bursting into tears. And I thought, I'm not that person that would ever experience burnout. And gee, gee, was I wrong. It was a very inconvenient, um, very uh, raw and honest experience and one that kind of crept up without knowing. Um, And what's your experience been like a burnout? I mean, you mentioned before we hit record that you've had a a number of experiences, but but what's what's that felt like for you when you've been at your at your edge? Um it's a very vulnerable, very honest, uh, sorry, a very direct question. Yeah, and and I think you know that's very much how I roll, um, Matt. My um as I mentioned, I've had the I've had three um, meetings, if you like, with burnout. Um, and the first one was very much like you've just described. This doesn't happen to me. I'm ambitious. I'm driven. Um, I'm just a bit tired or a bit overtired. Um, and I think that showed up in 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 the main main way of being intolerant. So being being so physically and mentally exhausted that you just become really short and intolerant in your communication. Yeah. Um and 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 that definitely is something that um impacts me because I'm very much a people person so when I start to become quite you know introvert and then angry and snappy for no reason there's a there's very much something yeah. Not, yeah. not there. Um that's that's definitely how I noticed something wasn't right. And when people were saying to me, people that cared about me were saying, did you really hear how you spoke to so-and-so? Um, and they'd play it back and I thought, wow, that's not good. Yeah. So, yeah. Go no. On. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I'm sorry to interrupt. Was that something that um, required somebody externally to you to identify? Um what the thing I find yeah. I, and I found in myself is that you kind of know this yeah. is happening. Yeah. Yeah. But because as you described in your um case, Matt, um, because you think this doesn't happen to me. Yeah. I'm in control, I'm strong, I'm ambitious, I'm fit, I'm healthy, I'm you know, I'm young, I've got this. Um it, I'm capable. And and when someone says what you're actually thinking but pushing away it's really confronting Mm. really confronting yeah I I just remember um yeah I I just remember feeling so like numb up until that point like I remember um like I just I remember I, I used to push and push and push and push and I thought you know what I can get away with four hours sleep, I can get away with eating whatever I like and not exercising and not taking care of myself because I'm, I'm better than that. And like I said, how, how, how wrong I was. And it was really um, humbling to, to know that like we all think we're the exception to the rule and we all think that we can get away with stuff, but your, your body and your, your mind has a way of bringing you back down to earth at some very inconvenient times. Um so you mentioned Sally that that was the uh, that was the first time you kind of experienced 
that. Um, what about the others? Because you've, as you said, you've had a number of um, instances. You said where you felt like you've met burnout. Were all the experiences the same? Um, were you able to identify the signs earlier on in the in, in the the preceding burnout? So, what was that experience like for you? Um, I didn't. Well, when I say I didn't identify them, I ignored the signs. Yeah. So definitely the first time I ignored the signs, I did a what I call a quick fix. Yeah. And I thought, okay, well, I've got quite a bit of, you know, I was running two, two businesses, so I pulled back um, <laughs> and pulled back to the, to the one and thought, okay, that'll fix things, you know, reduce your workload, reduce your hours spent at work, that'll fix it. Um, the second time was, um, again, someone tapped me on the shoulder, same kind of scenario was um, playing out again. And they were like, yeah, something's not quite right here. So I thought, okay, I'll take myself off to a beautiful um, retreat. And I did. And the retreat was amazing. And I rested and I restored and I came back, but I hadn't, nothing changed. So, you know, within 12 months, um, I was then starting to notice things weren't quite right. Wow. Um, wow. But again, I just kept pushing on. This is what it's like. You're running your own business. You know, you're employing staff. Um, people rely on you. And so you just go. And, and it's it's something that I speak about in, in practice and, yes. and the education sessions that I deliver, Matt. Um, I call it the cycle. Yeah. And it's at the critical point. So the cycle has about five um, five points. And the end cycle is what I call a Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. yeah. So you've just, you've just completely normalised feeling crappy every single minute of the day. Yeah. Um, you've normalised, um, in, in my case, I had normalised having about four coffees by midday. Um, and yep, they were long blacks on a good day. I thought oh, I'll just dilute it with a flat wine or a cappuccino or something. Um, yeah, I remember reading that, Sally, like they um that 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 final step about normal about how we normalize it. And I thought, oh my gosh, like mm -hmm. and then I started to notice it everywhere. So when I asked my friends, how was your week? It's normal to say I'm busy, I'm tired, I'm stressed. And I thought it was a real um a, a, awakening for me when when I read that uh, in your work that we've just got so used to being tired and stressed and anxious and we're just so used to coming home and having a couple of glasses of wine or taking a few uh, I'm not going to do this but taking a few sleeping tablets to take the edge off and then we just get up and do it again but we don't actually solve we don't actually get to the root of why this is happening and I think we're a, a nation of very tired, burnt out, especially in Sydney, tired, burnt, <clears throat> excuse me, tired and burnt out people. And as I said, when I read that in your work, I, it was just, it was really illuminating because people can't, we can't keep doing this. It's not okay. It's not okay. No. And and that's the thing. Um, there's, there's some information I've read recently about um, statistics in um, the Australian workplace. Mm. And yeah. Um, Australians are 
very rarely, I, forgive me, Matt, I can't remember the exact statistics. I could find them and, and support them um, yeah. with, for you. Um, but Australians essentially never take lunch breaks. Um, Australians have, um, it was hundreds of thousands, if not millions of hours in um, unpaid overtime mm. um, and very and, and an excessive level of um, um, holiday hours, um, you know, leave hours owing. So it, I think it's demonstrative of the culture too. Yeah. And, and um, I mean, that's there are so many sort of questions around that. I know currently people are stressed with interest rate hikes and all of that kind of stuff. And, and, and people, life just seems to be getting busier and busier and more stressful and more stressful. And it's, um, I look around, like I, I was on the train the other day and looked around, everyone's staring at their phones. No one's <laughs> engaging with anybody. I, I we, My wife and I were out for breakfast a couple of weeks ago. And there were these three kids at the table and everyone was on devices. And I'm like, what is happening here? Like you could have stayed home and looked at your iPads and your phones. Where's the conversation? And I think we're, we're just so busy and we're so used to disconnecting and we're so used to being tired and it's, it, it's really, really scary. And I think your work is, um, is so incredibly important. And, and I think about, um, I think about my profession, the one that I care about so deeply, um, which is teaching everyone's knackered, <laughs> everyone's exhausted. And we have a, um, uh, I, I'm privileged to work in a, in a wonderful school. And, um, it's, it's really lovely to see people sitting at in their lunch breaks, having conversations and laughing, but that this is the first school I've seen that ever happen in because most teachers just run around. They don't take care of themselves. And, um, it's, it's really quite scary. I think seeing the impact and what's at stake here though, Sally, like if we don't have these conversations, if we don't start to put things into practice, um, what's at stake? Because it's, it seems pretty dire. Quite honestly, our life is at stake because if we just keep going with the, you know, staying with the status quo and accepting that, mm. you know, we just work to, um, you know, constantly pay um, our bills, our mortgages, et cetera, then we've really got to question what's it all about. Yeah. Um, and yeah. You know, I think that's... When when you go through a life changing experience, you know, be it a a diagnosis or be it a a burnout um, experience, and things that you essentially took for granted, mm. um, people that you cared for are no longer a part of your life, or Pete, they've distanced, or um, you look at the destruction as well. And I think that's what starts to put the pieces together for you to begin to get perspective. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's yeah. where crumbling is is sometimes sadly what we need to do. Yeah. Or what's really, really, really important, you know, mm -hmm. your basics, um, to yeah. come through and you go, actually, my health is what's being impacted here. Yeah. yeah. And if I don't have my health, 
then I can't work. I can't pay my mortgage. I have no bills to pay. Um, you know, and it's it, it sounds all very philosophical, but it is so true. And we're very, very quick to dismiss that, which is what I think my why and why I, I love what I do because it's a daily reminder of where I was. Yeah. Do you, do you see um, with the clients that you meet and the and the, the sessions that you run? Do you see a lot of yourself in these people? Um, do you look at them and go, "You are"? I thought I was immune to this, and I yeah, it would be really. Um, I think it's really wonderful. You're in a position of uh, where you've taken something which was so incredibly traumatic and devastating, and you're actually using it to. Um, to serve and to invest in the people so that they don't have to have that same experience. I think it's, there's an authenticity, isn't there, there, because you know what it feels like to, to be crumbling. I think it's really wonderful. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Crumbling's not fun. <laughs> no. And Sally, can I ask, um, how do we, I mean, you mentioned that beating burnout is a start, but remaining burnout free is living. Like how do we, it feels like it's a process that we are constantly going through. How do we make sure that we maintain our margin and maintain our health and do all of those things to make sure we don't fall back into those habits or to those traps that we did previously? Is it easier said than done or? Yeah. Look, initially, I, I would say yes. Um, you know, when I, when I work through um, sessions with clients, we really do need to unpack and analyze the behaviors that have caused their burnout yeah. um, because they're habitual they're conditioned you know a lot of the behaviors that I see have been inherent for years mm. decades as yeah. were mine um, and I, I the way the way that um, the way that you that, that you make the fundamental changes is by um, what I call crowding out mm -hmm. so crowding out um, the poor behaviours and replacing them with something that is much more positive. Yeah. Um, and I use a simple example for that because when when you're in burnout, anything too too involved, too complex is just too much. Um, you're, at, you're at capacity as it is. So um, pulling things apart and, and simplifying them is, is the way that we go forward. So one of the things that um, that I, I used to do, and I was so shocking, you know, first thing I would do in the morning, and it could be any time because I wasn't sleeping well, between, you know, 1 and 5 a.m., I would look at my phone and I would start re replying to emails in bed before my feet hit the floor. I don't um, think that, I mean, that is shocking, but I don't think that is particularly unusual, which is No, it's not. Scary. Yeah. It's not. And I guess the reason I say it's shocking now because I look at it it's nuts. You know, yeah. perspective and I think, what were you doing? I remember being on the phone to a client at the gym at 5.30 in the morning. I mean, that's just really, yeah, self-destructive. I, I remember, Sally, when... Um, my wife had our first baby and I remember feeling like guilty that I wasn't at a meeting at school. And like, yeah. I, 
and it was it wasn't even an important one I just remember thinking like I should be at this meeting and it was such a wake-up call for me because I thought this is this is something that we have hoped for and prayed for for years and now I am here and about to see the the birth of my daughter who just ran in then um and I'm thinking about a meeting that I should be at at school it's it, it's scary to to think about it and to think about how out of whack our priorities can get without even knowing um so Sally what are some things though practically that you do I take it you don't take phone calls from clients at five o'clock in the morning at the gym anymore <laughs> you don't answer emails between one and five a.m but what are some other ways that that I mean you're an expert in this what are some of the things that that you have done to to try and create some of that margin in your life and do you have any kind of tips for us mere mortals as we try and create a bit of space in our chaotic world um well I think I, I call myself a um a recovering um you know uh, perfectionist essentially you do yes. heal from burnout you do um as I said living burnout free um burnout free is living um but I think it comes down to recovering perfectionism um, and recovering control because they are two acute attributes of someone that experiences burnout. Um, yeah. and, and they're generally high achievers that are yeah. associated with those two points. So um, my key focus and, and my overarching strategy to any of it is awareness. I I am so aware now of my triggers um and and when I'm when I can feel myself being feeling the the pull to overwork or overcommit um overgive um you know just like teaching there can and in the work that I do there can be a lot of overgiving um especially when that comes naturally so I think it's it's having that acute awareness of your triggers, certainly when you're going through the treatment um, phase. Yeah. And the prevention phase is very much about um, being true to yourself. You know. You know when you're going through behaviours that are going to lead into yeah. a burnout spiral. Yeah. And whilst you might, you know, sort of dip your toe in the water, so to speak, um, you can immediately go, I know what I'm doing here. No, I don't, I don't, I don't work that way anymore. We need to pull back. Yeah. Um, and take time out. Um, yeah. And by that, I don't mean, you know, go off on a beautiful holiday or anything like that. It's literally, it could be just right, okay, sit down, step yeah. back, what's yeah. going on here? Yeah. It's easier said than done, though, isn't it? Like, Absolutely. it's hard, and, and I think obviously you're in a position where you um, you work for yourself, and so uh, potentially sort of you could miss out on opportunities, which could mean you're missing out on all sorts of different things. And I think it would take an incredible amount of discipline just to say, you know what, if it doesn't get done within this time frame, it doesn't get done. And I, I think that is um, hugely important. But are you someone who incorporates? And you mentioned before you have a dog. Is your uh, part of your daily ritual taking your dog out for a walk? Is it going to the gym? Have you cut down on caffeine? Have you 
surrounded yourself with positive people? Like what are some of the things that you've done practically to try and uh, prevent yourself going back down that, that, that burnout route? Yeah, definitely. Um, exercise is big for me, um, very much so. Uh, when when I first um, was going through burnout, running was a meditation for me because I couldn't work. All I could do was just process. Yeah. And in the end, it, it became quite meditative because I was just focused on where I was going um, in the in the fresh air, and I found that very very therapeutic. Um, I love, as I said, I love exercise. It's important to me. So very much the gym because I have that social interaction as well. Um, walking my dog. Absolutely. So, and I'm really mindful of, um, being too connected to my phone. Obviously I, I like to listen to, you know, podcasts or music or, you know, things while I'm walking, but then I do try to have some time where I just focus on her, um, at the park running around or throwing a ball so just being um, aware again I know I've said aware um, a number of times but that's what it is it's yep. calling out um, calling out yourself really going actually what are you doing Sal um, it, it, it's so it, it's so key isn't it and I'm not in any way casting judgments on other parents because I have done this um, many times I'm trying to get better at not doing it um, but even sitting at a, a park and, and 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 watching my kid play, and I look around and everyone's looking at their devices. And I think what is so and like I said, I have been there, and I find myself slipping in and out of that. Um, but what that says is that what is happening on this little black device is more important than the life that's happening around me. And there's been a couple of times where my little ones looked up to me to say, "Daddy, watch this," and she's been swinging off something or going down the slide and I've missed it because mm. I've been so the message I'm sending to her is that whatever she's doing is not as important as what's happening on my screen um, mm. and I would like to say it's meaningful and it's making money and not but it's not I'm looking at silly cat videos or whatever's trending <laughs> I think for me like being aware that I do that as you said is is really really important because these are the moments that we're missing by being distracted and 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 what have you noticed in in terms of like because we're living in a in an age now which is so connected i mean our phones are everything they we are living in this digital space that there seems to be no boundaries between online and offline and what are some of the things that you've noticed um about burnout especially around that digital space um are we getting better um are you cautious about what you see or yeah, would you mind maybe unpacking your thoughts on kind of some of the challenges that digital the digital space brings to us? The digital spaces, as we know, um, definitely brings amazing opportunities. Yeah. Amazing. You know, we've got so many platforms that we can educate ourselves, um, listening, reading, learning. Um, it's, it's incredible. Uh, I was only thinking about this yesterday, thinking you can literally Google anything and learn yeah. more about it, anything. Yeah. Um, you know, we've never been at a time where we've had more access to information and being able to educate and empower ourselves. Um, so I think online is is an incredible world. I think where where I do get concerned about the online world is um, 
a component of artificial intelligence where it's where we're now being assessed artificially in with artificial intelligence as far as our well-being yeah, um, right. that concerns me um because I, I we're humans we need people we need real people mm. um yeah. and Absolutely. yeah and and that that would probably be my primary concern i was recently at a um a workplace wellness conference and the number of online programs from last year has it's just exponential it's incredible but online doesn't fix everything it it plays a role yeah um i agree but just like education yeah and, and I, I think like one of the things that we we do in our home is we we don't have a tv um and that is very weird when people come over because they sort of look around and they expect to see our lounge room kind of directed towards something and we like if we want to watch a movie the girls might watch it on a on a laptop or so we do have technology um but what's been lovely is that actually our dining room table is the focus of our house and so it's a normal part of our family to of our family routine is to sit down and have a conversation. And my little one started asking like, daddy, what's been your favorite thing today? And she's five. And so it's a really lovely way to engage. And um, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I feel like we are missing that interpersonal connection that we crave so much um, in our society. And when I've spent too long looking at my screen or when I've spent too long on Zoom calls, like I feel it, I feel it in my body I feel stressed I feel distracted I feel anxious and and I, I think unfortunately with um what we've all been through with COVID is that's just made these things come to come to the light a little bit more and so um I think I find it really difficult to put restraints around those things and put restrictions on them and um yeah I guess time will tell the, the true damage that this could be having on our in our society True, very true. I think um, the, a point you just made there, um, you, your body sends you, you you signs, that is one of the fundamentals. You will know um, when when things aren't right. Your body, your body will send you so many warning signs, yeah. so many warning signs. And if you continue to ignore them, they'll get louder and louder and louder. Yeah. Um, can I can I ask a, a, a personal question, Sally? And we may we may edit this out. Um, but is there an area in your life that you feel like you are currently um, under investing in? Um, Thank you. I would love to have. Um, what would I do? I probably would love to have more time um, with my partner, if anything. I mean, because you know you have time yeah. with your life stuff. Yeah. But I think um, just that one-to-one, um, yeah. That's really special. Do um, Another personal question, do you do um, date nights? Do you get to spend... Um, I feel like now this is a counselling session. Sorry, <laughs> do you do you get to have that 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 time together, or is it just yeah? 
No, we create that time. We yeah. definitely create that time, carve it out, and um, it's it's not one's responsibility. It's both. We we do um, that. We have date nights, and date yeah. nights be sitting on the couch with a bottle of wine, um, yeah. or it could be going to a fancy restaurant if we correct can afford yeah. it. So it's actually not about the location, though, is it? It's about the intention and so the connection. We put, away, we put away our phones. We have we can't talk about school kids money or shopping or groceries <laughs> so and 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 can I be honest like after having two little ones sometimes it's really hard to to rediscover how to do that again because mm. it's been a long time where someone's always talking about who needs to be where and so that's been a real um I think for me that's been a real saving grace in terms of my mental health is actually reconnecting and connecting with with, with loved ones and having those conversations I think are um are so incredibly important because um, I know that if I'm not at my job tomorrow, not tomorrow, I'm on school holidays, but if I'm not at my job the next day, somebody else will do that. Mm. Like somebody else will step into my place, uh, will be excited for the opportunity and they will do that job. But but what I can't be replaced at is being a great husband or being a present father or being a loyal friend. And I think I've, my experience going through a um a burnout um, was that I am replaceable at work, absolutely, but I'm not replaceable for those that I love and, and those that mean the world to me. And it sounds so simple, but somehow I think that gets lost, doesn't it, um, somewhere along the way. Um, Sally, I'm just wondering, um, how can we sort of, how can we kind of have these have more honest conversations about burnout in the workplace because it's something which I think is people are really silently struggling with. So how can we make it something which is not a sign of weakness, um, but actually a sign of strength to have conversations around things like mental health and how people are really going? How do we do that? And it's a really fundamental question and something I'm very um outspoken about mm-hmm. um that's great I love outspoken <laughs> is good especially it when is. it's so important yeah yeah it is it is because um there is still as you've touched on there is still so much shame and stigma mm. uh around burnout um whilst it is more discussed and and it's almost used it's almost used in some ways as an adjective and a verb I'm burnt out. Oh, you know, oh, it's just burnout. Don't worry about it. It's or just a badge burnout. of pride. It's like busyness. And like I'm not impressed correct. that you're busy and tired. Sorry, yeah. I cut you off, please. No, no, no. You're absolutely yeah. spot on. You know, the whole busy is a badge of honor. And is and when we first started chatting, um, you know, sleep deprivation. Oh, I can last, you know, I managed four hours last night. Mm. Oh, I only had two. And it's like, and you're bragging about this? This is just not, yeah. Yeah, it's not okay. Um, so the shame and the stigma that is something that I'm, as I said, very outspoken about, very passionate about. And um, uh, this links in really, really um, well to a piece that is becoming more and more um, monitored in the workplaces in Australia, which is the psychological safety, the psychosocial yeah. safety. Yeah, um, And... Being able to have, which essentially means being able to have open um, conversations with a manager, a leader, um, you know, a principal, um, 
somebody in your workplace where you can you can go and say, hey, Matt, I'm struggling. My workload is just killing me at the moment. I don't, I'm, I'm not coping. Mm. Um, and you can go and have that conversation without the fear of being, uh, you know, shamed or, or all of a sudden you don't have a job um, and and yeah. someone is is judging you. You can have it and someone goes, well, okay, how, how can we help? What can we do? You know, do you do you have any ideas? And and you essentially start workshopping it because yeah. there is not a one size fits all solution. Yeah, um, I, I found that really difficult when I first started in the leadership role uh, in a school. I thought, well, I'm the I'm the leader of this particular stage. I need to be the person that um, has it together or projects competence. Um, and I found the opposite, like being vulnerable and having those conversations and saying, Hey, like I had a really rough night with the kids last night, or I just had a fight with my wife or this has happened. I'm not feeling hundred percent. Can you help? Um, for me, that's been the thing that has brought us together as a team more than any kind of striving or working exceptionally hard. Um, and, and I think I like to think that, that workplaces are changing. Um, are, are you, are you optimistic that we're heading in the right direction or do you think there's a like a long way to go here because in my world I, I guess I'm hearing mixed mixed messages definitely mixed messages um yeah. are, are prevalent I think because there is a lot of conversation at the moment about these these the psychosocial and the psycho safety um elements it almost gives a false sense that there is things happening yeah. I think in reality there's a lot of businesses that don't know um, what to do. Yeah. Um, so that is that that for me is a is a is a red flag. It's not being critical of the business. It's just going how they how do they get help? Yeah. Um, and wow. so yes, I think I, we've got a long way to go. We've yeah. got a long way to go. That I think so. And I was reading a study um, recently, um, and I'm just pulling it up by Monash University, and it said that um, uh, Australia is on a, a, pre a precipice uh, with up to 70% of teachers considering leaving the profession. And I know that's for a range of reasons, um, but I can guarantee that that stress has got a big, got oh, a big part to play with it. And is that a a statistic which you think is is shared amongst um, uh, many other industries? Do you think there's a large number of people that are just stressed and tired and don't know what to do? Um, mm, definitely. There's um, some statistics that I, I've um, referenced. They were current um, as at um, September September last year, and yeah. that's showing that 66% of the population, the working population, uh, showing signs of burnout. Do you think that is a? Um, do you think that is a, a result of COVID, or do you think COVID has brought some of these uh, issues to the surface more? I think it's a combination. I think um, if there can be a, a constructive, positive message out of COVID, it's brought an awareness to overwork, work addiction, burnout. Mm. Um, I think on the flip side, um, it's there was there was no boundaries. There were no boundaries. We had nowhere to go, nothing really to do. So people just kept working, and I think that's created some 
bad behavior or exacerbated some poor behavioral choices. Yeah. Yeah. Related to work. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. But I think there's always been an underlying issue of burnout. Yeah. Um, Yeah. We just, we just actually are identifying and acknowledging the word now. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Sally, um, I want to be respectful of your time. I'm aware that it's um, uh, getting on in the evening and and, and I, we by no means can unpack all of the um, amazing work that you do. And also, um, uh, but what I can do is, of course, give people the links uh, to all of your resources and, and ways to find out more about you. Um, I When I discovered your work, it was a, um, a real breath of fresh air. Like I, Thank I was you. looking through your website and your resources and I just, uh, I think, when I went through a burnout at work, it was just so isolating. I thought I was the only one that that did. And I thought I felt like a failure and I felt like, I don't know, like it was just a really awful feeling. And I'm so glad that 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 your work is is shedding some light on a, an issue that so many of us face. And so um, thank you so much for your vulnerability. Um, and also not only that, but using something which was particularly painful for you for the, for the the broader good um of society i think it's really um incredibly meaningful um but yeah i'm very i'm very grateful uh, for you and your work um just a, a couple of closing questions if you don't mind um so what um what fulfills you now um you talked about what your life was like before you um had a burnout and when you went through that process um but what fulfills you now and what's What's important to you? What fulfills me now is, um, and, and what's important is definitely um, I have a, a very powerful, supportive, non-judgmental network of friends. Good. Um, and I'm very, very, very selective of who I let into my life um, privately now. Um, I've always been like that, but very much so now um having been through fundamental change um a very supportive partner um great family and my dog (laughs) um she's amazing and um I think what I think what is my my daily reminder is working with clients and seeing them come come to me because when people generally come to me they're they're at the end they're like I have tried everything I have tried, you know, meditation. I've tried this, this, this. And it's not to say those things don't don't support and serve, um, but in isolation, perhaps not. But people have generally tried everything. They come to me, and there is some hope. So when we're humans and we have some hope, there is, you know, opportunity. And then taking people through to the to you know being burnout free, yeah. um, and and essentially, as I call it. Um, putting that person together again, yeah. being a better version. And yeah. that, I still get quite emotional sometimes when I think about clients who have been through the, the process um, or, and the program. And just, you know, one woman came to me and she said, she actually, um, she said, I actually uh, was at the point she went into her back garden and she screamed. And she said, I screamed so badly my kids and my husband ran out because they thought something was like someone was murdering me it was that she just reached the end um 
and and she you know a couple of years later working together and she is I call her my my um my my frame you know I don't like to say my pinup girl but she's just a, a you know the the role model um definitely a role model please take out pinup girl <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's um Sally that, that that's really beautiful and I think um you get to you get to make real change in your work and you get to see people that are um broken um and um crumbling as you say um and you get to help them you get to help put them back together and establish what's important in their life and and I think it's um it's truly admirable uh the work that you're doing and and as I said I'm I'm really grateful I'm I'm glad I went through that burnout um it was painful um so I don't want to say that I'd, I I wish I'd never been through it because it really made me think about what was important in my life but I, I do believe that if I discovered your work 10 years ago it would have saved a <laughs> saved a lot of heartache <laughs> it's uh yeah really grateful um Sally just in closing um where can people find out more about you um, and connect with you? And I'll, and I'll put all of this in the show notes, but how can they stay in touch and reach out? Because I'm sure there'll be people listening to this and the majority of us are teachers, but I'm sure there'll be people listening to this that are like me too, like I'm really struggling. So how can people reach out and connect with you and follow your work? Um, sure. Thank you, Matt. Um, my website has some um, resources. So there's a free ebook there that you can download called The Great Burnout. Mm-hmm. Um, healthatheals.com.au. Um, my Instagram handle is healthatheals. And um, I'm very active on LinkedIn. So Sally McGrath um, on LinkedIn. Well, I will uh, make sure that all of those are put in the show notes. And um, as I said, I'm I'm really, really grateful that you'll take the time to talk to me. Um, and uh, I look forward to um, staying in touch and also seeing uh, where your amazing work leads you. So thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Matt. It's been fantastic. Appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the Art of Teaching podcast today. I hope that you, like me, got some valuable insights out of our discussions. For show notes, please visit theartofteachingpodcast.com. And I've also created a private Facebook group where we continue the discussion there. The link will be in the show notes. Thanks again for listening and can't wait to see you for next week's episode.